0: Podcast
1: with your hosts
0: Stan Drayev and Nick Brachia.
1: Welcome to the MMA Geeks Sea Level Podcast. This is your host, Stan Juraev, and my co-host, my partner in crime, the Darren Till to Mike Kamzachimayev, Nick Brachia. Nick, how does it feel to come into Sweden? Train with me, and I just get completely obliterated. And and guess what? I have a whole camera crew around to record every bit of it, and without making it, like uh, I guess as subtly as possible, everybody's alluding to the fact that I've destroyed you in training, and that you have no shot against me.
0: I like the balls, and also <laughs> the, the the girls are tall. <laughs>
1: The, the the thing about their accent, Nick, um, it's is it Liverpool or is it Manchester? the Scouser?
0: Yeah, it's a Scouser, Liverpool.
1: It, the, the the pronunciation the pronunciation of the K, it's a, it's not a K, it's a like, chamsat chimaev, like like just naturally they have that almost Dagestani ring to the way that they pronounce K's, but it is one of my favorite British accents, Nick. I'm, a, I'm oh yeah,
0: oh the Scouser accent is amazing. Have you seen the? Uh, um. Oh, the what is, the queen of Scotty Road.
1: No, what is that?
0: He actually, I think he went. He went and, and trained a little with Molly, uh, Molly McCann, meat, Meatball. Um, he uh, he 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 got fade blew up on like an Instagram video for stealing a fifth of vodka, and he like uh-huh. told off the woman behind the counter, and then he became like a Liverpool celebrity. Nice. He's like t- he had that whole like ta ra the fucking you. <laughs> like, you didn't see the tenor guy. Oh, he's amazing. Uh, look up, just look up the original Queen of Scotty Road video, and you'll you'll enjoy it. But we can we can get into other things, and we can discuss the finer points of Liverpool um, later.
1: Yeah, I l- listen as as the comes up Chimayev, Chimayev in this relationship, Nick. I'm just going to continue to smash you in our draft picks competition as I have been, as I've been consistently doing since day one. Nick, it feels good. It feels good to wear the crown on the head. It really does. Yeah,
0: you know, you can talk a big game, but the fact is, like, we should really be tied. And if, you, if 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 the points, if decisions were decided by MMA journalists, I think that we'd pretty much be tied. You might be up by one, but whatever. Sometimes you catch breaks, sometimes I catch breaks. I have not. I've got no shame in the way that I've been picking. And this last week, I definitely thought. Let me go back to. Uh, where I've got the names of these guys, <laughs> 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 I definitely believe that Tegirulenbekov got um, got jobbed. I think that Jaran Yan. Uh, it was close, but I really feel like she deserved that decision. So like, it is. You just is, happen man. to
1: feel. You just happen to, in every instance, in any close decision, feel that. Your person, the person that you picked, uh, won and the person that I picked. No,
0: most. I defer to, I, def, I I used to be emotional about it. Now I'm like, let's check MMA decisions and see what consensus was. The consensus was it, oh, like three to one or two to one to and Bekov won that fight. That was the consensus, which would have given him a split decision victory. Um, if you, if you, you know, kind of think about the math. I admit, jean Anyan and Marina Rodriguez was close, was I think exactly 50 50 which it, it is what it is i still think that jan won that fight but fine but there have been others like kim which was 100 percent given to kim by the mma journalists so i'm just deferring to mma yeah decisions. that was so a bad is, decision that's one so so this, that, I would, that so I would so this give is scientific. this is scientific well i'm just saying Ulanbekov was like two you know two to one favored by mma media which i think in my mind i feel comfortable saying sounds like he deserved to win a split decision
1: I mean, it doesn't work that way. It's a fight that could easily go either way. A third of the people thought it went one way. Two thirds thought it went the other, right? It's a fight that could have gone either way that went one way. Uh, I do hear you, though. A couple of these decisions are breaking my way rather than yours. And I will take that all day, every day. Also, especially considering... You know, I kind of warned you about that matchup in particular. You take all that day every day. In that, in that Tagir's, and that was hysterical. Nick, let me let me pause. That was te- through, You
0: know what? Laugh track. Can, you, can you? Yeah, just yeah. Can you just like <laughs> never editing up, it, so, it out, so Nick? I,
1: I yeah, might please. I might play that on repeat three or four times ah. for our listeners. Uh, seriously, the the, the Tagir uh, matchup. I warned you about it, right? Like Tagir's gone to really really close decisions against arguably lower level fighters uh, than he had in this matchup. So. There was, you know, there was good reason to be concerned there. He was a little bit too big. and He wasn't a huge favorite, a little too big of a favorite considering how close those decisions went. And so I saw the risk here. And I assume that's the reason why Khabib was pissed off even through the moment of actually receiving uh, the accolade of being inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame in the 2022 class. Nick, he did not seem super excited about it. It was, like po- it was possibly
0: that. It. Yeah, he was. I think he's excited about I think he's happy about that. I think he was pissed about all the other things. I also know that on other cards, so that coaches don't have to come... Uh, can, can prepare their fighters properly. It was, it was the rare occurrence when we saw two, a.k.a. Javier Mendez-trained fighters with Khabib Nurmagomedov in their corner fight back-to-back. True. Which, mean, which means that if they're there with Tegirul and Bekov the amount of speed with which they have to shift and get behind their other fighter, whether or not Umar had proper time to warm up. Of course, he made quick work of Brian Kelleher, but think about, your, think about it as a, as a coach, as an owner of a team, as a brother, as a cousin, whatever. Having to go through the emotional experience of to, uh, to gear fighting, taking over in the third round and losing and within minutes needing to reset and get be and get behind uh your cousin and a tough opponent with Kelleher that's a lot that's a lot for that's a lot for someone to do and usually and i know that there's there's examples of this the ufc um
1: splits them puts a fight in between so, yeah, something has, yeah
0: puts a, and they did they did that for trevor whitman um, I believe, the last time Rose fought so that he could... Yeah, tra- for could- two
1: title fights, but, you know, this is a little bit different. These are two, you know, basically the third and fourth fight of the event, although I do hear you. Um, yeah, look, the the bottom line is that Tim Elliott eked it out, man. Um, he looked good enough in those first couple of rounds. Training with James Krause has done wonders for his career, for his focus, for his MMA IQ, having a guy yelling at you from the sidelines with fairly good advice, maybe a little too much yelling, maybe a little too much information per round, but... I think that's helped him, Elliot. I think it's helped him stay centered. It sounds like him and James Krause are super close. They're best buddies on top of the fighter-coach relationship. So it worked out, but we are bearing the lead. We are going to talk about UFC 272. We're going to quickly talk through what happened last week's uh, on last week's card, main evented by Covington and Masvidal as Covington walked away with a clear-cut decision. And we're also going to break down UFC Fight Night Santos versus Ankalaev coming up this weekend. So, Nick, we buried the lead. Let's talk about Covington versus Masvidal. I, I, I feel like everybody that I spoke to about this... Even like MMA media talked about how they skipped the press conference. There was no interest in it. I remember I could not wait to watch the press conference between McGregor and Nate Diaz leading up to their matchup because I was just so fl- like intrigued as to what could possibly happen with these two personalities. Zero interest in this one. I just thought it was too moderately to fairly fake people who are going to try to talk up the fight and it's going to be cringy and, and not the triple C kind of cringy, which is almost kind of cute. This this was just like not in the couple of highlights that I've seen, literally seconds of it, it just clearly was the right call not to log in, not to log in and watch this press conference and and you know the fight, although not terribly exciting, did very clearly show that the man that everyone thought was the better fighter ended up coming out on top. What were your thoughts on this matchup, man?
0: I feel validated. I said ten out of ten, Colby wins, and I still believe that he took shot. It best did look shot, that way, but- right? Yeah. He took Masvidal's best shot a couple of times. He's a big. I mean, he got hit. He got hit with a big, big hook. Colby's um, tough. He's tough. He's elite. His mental game is incredible. And you know, Mas Masvidal looked just weak and completely overmatched in a large a large component of the game. He looked good on the feet, but the gap, the gap between them on the feet. Colby wasn't bad, and Colby was able to do that thing that wrestlers uh, who are okay strikers can do which is you know once once it's, someone's worried about the takedown you like your chain your changeups look and feel like fastballs like you don't it, you, like you know Mazza you, you, Mazadal was caught off guard a lot because um, he guessed because he guessed wrong and I just think yeah I mean it, I don't think the fight was it wasn't the most boring fight but it was pretty much exactly what I expected. Um, There was a little hope after the second round where Masvidal had some success uh, uh, on the feet and there was a little bit more time spent standing. But Colby is just the second best welterweight in the world by a large margin, it seems.
1: And you know what, Nick? I got to congratulate Colby Covington on picking up his first top 15 win in the current UFC rankings. If you look at his record, right, the people that he's got wins over are guys like RDA, guys like Tyron Woodley... Uh,
0: RDA is not a top 15 fighter at Walter. White, uh, not, I guess. not,
1: a, uh, no, no, not anymore. He's, yeah. he switched down. Um, and, and, you know, he, he didn't, I mean, he still probably would have been in the top 15, but he, but he left the division, but technically as of right now, Colby Covington has a single win in the top of the Walter weight division, which I think like alludes to Covington also being kind of smart. Like, he did work his way up against a few old guys, and and by the way, I have confidence that Colby Covington can beat a lot of these top fifteen. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, he beats Gilbert Burns, he beats Vicente Luque, he beats Bilal Muhammad, he beats I, Sean Brady. I'm not sure. That's that probably, but I don't know.
1: Um, I, I would say as of now, he beats Sean Brady, but Sean yeah, Brady yeah. after another year of seasoning, Colby Covington at age thirty five, thirty six, yeah, maybe beats- maybe a different situation.
0: Yeah, he beats he, he beats Michael Cesa. I'm pretty confident he beats Leon. He, I am pretty confident he beats Leon Edwards. Like I think Leon Edwards I, yeah. is
1: probably my most intriguing matchup. And and as weird as it is to say, it's almost a shame that Leon has to go up and fight Usman because I, I think this would be the stiffest test for either guy in a winnable matchup where they don't have to fight Usman. Because I do think these two guys are the clear-cut number like they're they're kind of competing for that number two spot. And to be honest with you, Leon Edwards probably has the better wins in the current. Current division to take that number two spot, does, especially if I you think, factor think, in that one round performance against Bilal Muhammad.
0: Yeah, but Col- I think Colby's pace is, pace is harder, and that he's a. better. Although Leon Edwards is a good wrestler, that Colby's a is a better one. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I
1: tend to think you're right. So basically, the fight uh, ended up playing out kind of like I expected, where Masvidal was able to resist. Early takedowns in the first, you know, couple of minutes, it was hard to take him down. So Kobe just hung on to him, made him carry his weight, made him uncomfortable, distracted him with like silly knees to the leg, and Kobe, you know, and and what Kobe was doing really well was when he was in the clinch, pressing Mosfidel up against the fence, he was keeping his head in a position that would make it hard to, to land those Travis Brown elbows, and clearly he like game planned for it. He he had the right idea of what to do there. And again, it was just consistent pressure from Colby. He was largely on the back foot standing up because there is some danger walking straight forward into Masvidal's shots as we found out in the fourth round where Masvidal was able to uh, kind of clock him. Colby took a knee for a second and then went right back to it as if almost nothing happened, man. Colby is tough. I talked about how even though he's a complete asshole, he's he's a complete tool. He's He's got this pro wrestling gimmick, right? He is disciplined. He is married to the game. As far as his diet, as far as his conditioning, as far as his work ethic, all of that, he's got, he's got, right? And those are important factors that can make the difference between somebody really talented becoming a tough life fighter or not. Colby's got all of those things. And a lot of people miss out on that because they kind of get entranced by his personality and and the kind of douchebaggery that he brings to the table. Colby Covington is really, really legit as a fighter. And Jorge Masvidal, let's face it, Colby was right about one thing. He is a journeyman. 35-16 record at this point, right? A bunch of close decision losses, but when he fights the elite, he doesn't tend to be super competitive. I don't know that there's a strong argument to be made that he's a better fighter than is uh, Bobby Green. Like, they're give or take in many ways. They have so many similarities. Both have the kind of bombastic personalities that can lead to them being, uh, you know, with a huge win, like Masvidal took over Askren, right? Could lead to you being a superstar, and Bobby was kind of working his way slowly up there because he doesn't have that knockout power to to become viral. But he's a talker. He's a fascinating character. He fights in a similar way in that when he loses decisions, they're very close because he feels like he's, a, he's in control and therefore he doesn't need to throw much. Historically, that's how both of these guys have lost these competitive fights. And when they face the elite, they tend to not really be very competitive. And we saw that with Bobby Green facing off with his first top five quality opponent, uh, in Makachev, and we saw it in Jorge Masvidal's matchups against Usman and Covington. Um, they're just not competitive at that level, even though they can give a rough fight to just about anybody outside of that top five. Uh, and it doesn't help that Jorge Masvidal's conditioning is not awesome. Bobby Greens is probably better at this point, right? He does get tired over time. And historically, if you look at his career, he is fairly tired by that third round. Um, and then and then it doesn't help that he's he he never really developed the elite wrestling defense it's he can defend takedowns pretty well against like decent mma wrestlers but he can't do it against elite ncaa all-american wrestlers um and he couldn't do it in this matchup either just like he couldn't against usman in their first bout um you could make the argument i guess that george masvidal landed more damage in the first round even though he was largely controlled so maybe if you really needed to you could edge his way uh, in that first round, uh, in a decision, although I, I still think Colby Covington probably took it. That fourth round, he could make the argument that Jorge took the round because he clocked him and, and hurt him for a second there. But outside of that, man, there, there wasn't enough. And and Masvidal much like Nate Diaz against Leon Edwards, when Mosfidal hurt Covington, he stuck his tongue out and taunted him instead of putting it on him. What in the world are you thinking, man? Like I know you're tired. I know it's easier to stick your tongue out, but. You gotta have better MMA IQ than that. That was your one opportunity in a huge grudge match against a man that's insulted your you, your your ex-wife, your your children, your your ability to be a father, your 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 character, and you had the chance to put it on him, and you couldn't, right? Masvidal never really was elite, and him being 37 now, that's not gonna help him having all the miles that he has with over 50 fights, 51 fights now, and that's not even factoring in all the street fights that he's been a part of on and off camera when he was a kid, right? So. Guys got some serious mileage on him. Um, to his credit, his chin held up. Not that he was not that he was hit a whole lot of times clean at a distance, but Colby Covington was the better fighter here. Um, I, I, I next, I would like to see Covington face off with somebody that's kind of near the top of that division. Uh, is there anybody who you'd want to see him face off with, Nick?
0: Colby, I think. I mean, seems like it should be the winner of Hazmat Shaimiev, Gilbert Burns.
1: I would love to see it. I don't think he's going to take that fight. He called out uh, Poirier because I think he's going to keep angling this way to avoid the tough matchups. And it's not stupid, right? Like, as a, as a heel, you kind of expect him to do that. And he somehow has managed to call out the guy one weight division below, 15 pounds below his weight division, and still managing to call him a bully. It's pretty amazing. Um, I don't think he's going to get that Poirier fight, even though he asked for it. I agree with you. This is the matchup. I would love to see him in. I think he was brave enough and and down to fight uh, Hamzat Shumayev right after that footage uh, of Shumayev in a wrestling match against um, against uh, what what is the name Jack Hermanson. Jack Hermanson, right? Where, to be quite honest with you, yeah, uh, he looked really dominant early and then he slowed down a bit toward the end of that wrestling match wasn't really able to get those explosive takedowns anymore right so there's a question about his cardio and we all know Colby Covington has cardio Hums out's never been past like the second round certainly not in the last many years even though he's got a reputation for working his ass off in the gym and training really hard so so I, I do think Colby has a has a decent shot in that matchup especially given his durability his, his mindset but I don't think he wants that matchup I think there's more risk in there than he would like he's going to angle for these matchups that are advantageous to him I think maybe like somebody he might want to fight next is probably steven thompson that's a fight he would take given the style matchup there i can't Um, believe i
0: can't imagine steven thompson gets that fight but
1: yeah i mean i i can see kobe wanting that fight because that's probably like the least risk to reward when it comes to the top five below muhammad is a matchup i think he can take on and that would be interesting to me um gilbert burns if he somehow ekes a, a win over Hamza Chimaev. Uh, unless Gilbert Burns just looks like a fucking gorilla in that matchup. I think that's another matchup that Kobe might, you know, might be open to taking, but it's fascinating. He's got the number one spot in a single top 15 win in the UFC, uh, in the UFC middleweight division, uh, excuse me, welterweight division. Fascinating how that works out. And then, so basically the top three matchups on this card, Nick, we're all very grinding wrestle heavy. Wins for Rafael dos Anjos, Bryce Mitchell, and of course Kobe Covington. We talked about RDA basically dominated Hanato Maikano, who you know recently used to fight at 145. RDA coming down for 170. Maikano took this fight on a few days' notice, flew in from Brazil a couple days before the actual fight. So you know all the cards were stacked up against him, and he still looked kind of decent in that fifth round after the referee basically told him you got 30 seconds to like start to make something happen, or I'm going to stop this fight. Uh, A lot of talk about whether or not Hanato Maikano's corner should have thrown in the, the towel, whether the yes, referee should have, have stopped that fight. Uh, you, you do think they should have... What do you think? Third or fourth round?
0: Uh, between the third and fourth.
1: Uh, I think there's a decent argument to be made. As far as RDA, like... If he's pushing forward, he's doing well. If he's being pressured, he's not. It really all depends on who is pressuring in, the, in an RDA matchup. That'll tell you who's going to win that matchup. He tends to lose to the pressure guys. He tends to lose to the pressure grinders. He's going to lose to the much bigger men, uh, obviously, at 170. Um, but this matchup was kind of tailored for him. I think Makhachev would have been a rough night for him, and, uh, and and it worked out really well. Now that he can move to Brazil, not worry about a whole lot, spend one-tenth of the money to live a really nice life than he would in California and uh, good on him, man. I, I'm glad to see him get this kind of win. The guy is 31 and 13. He's got like 30 fights probably in the UFC at this point. Successful fighter who's who's gotten the top. I'm not before.
0: convinced that if the, if the UFC had had weight classes like boxing or like the New Eagle FC, and Dos Anjos was able to fight at a 160 or 165, uh, he may have been the he may have been the greatest 160 pound fighter in in MMA. I don't know. He's he's really really good. <laughs>
1: Um I agree that he's really good. The problem with that argument is that there's a lot of other really high level fighters that are would have made 160. Leon Edwards probably has a shot at making a 160 165 and Leon Edwards largely dominated him. Uh, when you get dominated by Michael Chiesa who's coming up from 155 who would have been probably in that 160 165 division, right? Like it it, it doesn't look great in that way, but Maybe it was more of a, a mindset thing. Maybe he just allowed these guys to pressure him, or at least Chiesa to pressure yeah. him. Um, there's no way that Kumar Usman is making 160. Colby Cummington, I don't know, maybe. Um, he, he talks about how he doesn't cut a whole lot of weight. I tend to think he, he probably cuts a decent amount of weight, probably is super uh, surgical about it, very disciplined, so he doesn't look like shit on the scale on the night of. And by the way, Jorge Masvidal didn't look that great on the scale. He walked out yeah. of his van in a towel, walked right all the way up to the scale, weighed in, right? So it looked like he was cutting till the very last second. And this is a form of 155 or so. Not a great sign for him. But Rafael Desanios picks up another big win. He he calls this kind of uh, uh, his third title run, which I respect the holy hell out of. Uh, Who would you match him up with at 155 next?
0: RDA. Looking at it, I would... God, you know, that's a... You could see McGregor asking for that fight because it was supposed to happen. Remember, RDA was who he was supposed to fight the night that he lost to Nate Diaz. Right,
1: um, but RDA had a title, and that's why McGregor would want to face him. I know,
0: but McGregor faced Cerrone. I know Cerrone has a bigger name. What, what McGregor needs now is a little is just a little bit of lift. If he's got, I think if he's going to listen, they could put him in McGregor in against the winner of Oliveira Gagey, But there's going to be a loud contingent of people for sure. Um you know, Not that the
1: different. UFC really cares if there's money to be made. And also, no, like McGregor actually has a shot at knocking out R- R- Rafael uh, Oliveira uh, try, in the first yeah, he round. Does, like, he has a shot.
0: But, but if they've got a highlight of a recent victory, and I I think that McGregor is a really bad matchup for RDA. Um, so I could see McGregor. I could You see think
1: McGregor... Hang on just one second. You think McGregor is a bad matchup for a guy who... Presses forward, has insane cardio, is very durable, and really only gets out wrestled by bigger men.
0: I mean, he's iffy durable. I think that I think Connor's left hand still sleeps RDA. I think I think I think lower punches have have uh, you know the man's jaw was broken and he was TKO'd I believe by uh, by Clay Guida. I know a long time ago. I, did, I I still think that RDA has his his Achilles heel, and he's been. He's been TKO'd before. Um, I think Connor can TKO uh, Rafael dos Anjos at, at 155 or 170.
1: Um, Connor, who Connor who can't really put a win together unless it's against a rough, beat up end of his career, Donald Cerrone. That Connor. Well, we the Connor who got dominated by Poirier, who gets dominated by actual elite. Ups, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm surprised that you're that confident. Now, if Connor can get into his head the way that the Connor of five years ago could. Different story. I'm there with you, but maybe this I mean, current day version do, of Conor, man, I don't know.
0: We'll find. Disagree with me, Dick. The other <laughs> thing, that, the other thing that, that we could do is they just made. Uh, I, I don't like this fight, but they just made Chandler Ferguson. Um, oh, is that official, that was, Nick? Yeah, it's official. They could, are uh, you know, RDA. If he's really trying to make a run, the win, you know, fight the winner of Chandler Ferguson makes sense. So uh, basically, tell me Chandler RDA, Ferguson's
1: going to be a five rounder, Nick, please.
0: I, I would imagine it has to be, but I'm not. I hope uh, so. I really hope so.
1: I mean, I, I don't know if they would waste that kind of purse. Like between those guys, the UFC would probably pay over a million dollars for just for their purses. I can't imagine they would waste that on a on just a regular fight night where they could spend like a total of two or three hundred grand for a main event. Um, unless it's three, like it's a, ESP- three, it's
0: a It's a three rounder at MSG.
1: Emma, I assume it's a pay per view. That makes sense. Yeah, if they're going to spend that kind of money. It's going to be on a main card pay per view. That's a goddamn shame because the three rounder Michael Chandler has a, I think, a decent shot, and a five rounder is, in my opinion, a different story. And I don't like to see Michael Chandler win. If I'm going to be honest with you, so as you can imagine, the, his results in the UFC so far have made me largely happy. But uh, so, so you think the winner of that matchup? I think that makes sense. I think, I think they are potentially winnable fights for, uh, f- for the guy, but. You know, RDA, man, against anybody in that top you know, top 10 range, I'm going to be a happy camper. Like, it's good to see him have success. I'm intrigued by some of these style matchups, especially now that he's talked about how he realizes it's very important for him to press forward to win. He cannot let uh, his opponent put him on the back foot. And then Bryce Mitchell over at some Barboza. This is a matchup in which we disagreed, and I thought that Barboza maybe had some value if he was a bigger underdog.
0: I was really wrong here.
1: Yeah, and and I don't blame you because we haven't seen Bryce Mitchell pull off this kind of performance against this level of opposition, and we've seen Edson Barboza turn away prospects on the come up, time and time again. Bryce Mitchell, man, he he is not to be stopped. His mindset is ins- incredible, right? Like like there's a lot to be liked there. Obviously his opinions, the conspiracy theories. Uh, he obviously you know listens to some Alex Jones on the uh, on the uh, on you know on the in the earbuds or whatever as he's working on his farm. He's an insane man, but he is like well-intentioned. He's not evil by any means. He's just kind of foolish enough to fall into a lot of very silly conspiracy theories. Um, I like the kid, despite the fact that I disagree with him on a whole lot of political issues. I like the guy. He is he is a fascinating character when he's speaking. I can't help but want to watch, I can't help but want to listen. Um, you know, he he took advantage of his moment on the mic talking about how he's going to donate half of his purse, 45 grand to uh some kind of a children's fund in Arkansas, uh something about healing children and Dana White then naturally, which I expected him to do. Dana White then said, "You know what? Why don't you keep your purse and I'll, and I'll drop the 45 grand on that?" Which was cool. Bryce Mitchell said he'll still put some money in on that, but I think this cat has got legitimate star potential, especially with the MMA fan base, which politically largely agrees with him. And on top of that is, you know the the whole southern thing, like there's a whole lot of the MMA fan base that that are that are in the south. he's he's gonna be he's gonna be a popular guy. he's He's a fascinating character. I'm curious to see him work his way continually up this division, right? One fifty five uh, is kind of a murderer's row and so i'm sorry 145 and, and and so i'm i'm curious i'm curious how he can match up with some of those guys that don't have the glaring holes uh, that we've seen in Edson Barboza. Uh, I would be happy with a uh, Dan Ige matchup. Uh, Chikadze could be interesting for many reasons, actually. That would be fascinating. Um, and outside of that, I don't know that I would send him too far up that flagpole. Uh, I don't want to see him against uh, Emmett or Cater or Arnold Allen at this point. Yara Rodriguez. I want I want him to compete against somebody in the bottom half of the top 10 uh, for another fighter two. I want the UFC to groom this kid because, you know, he's he's got the potential to be maybe a UFC title challenger one day. But again, John, part of this new generation, Josh Nick. Mm-hmm, that, that's who you'd want to see him fight. Yeah, that, that would be intriguing. Josh Emmett is like maybe a fight away from a title shot, if you ask me. But um, you know, this kid is part of that new generation of just just super grinders they have limitless cardio so they can go for 20 takedowns in a three to five round fight if they need to they will continue to pressure even if the takedown is not successful he's catching up on his striking he was able to floor edson barboza with his left hand granted the danger of the takedown was the reason he was able to land that shot presumably right but he's got some power he's got some like he's developing a stand up pretty well even though you know i think if he's forced to stand on the feet with an elite striker he's gonna have a lot of trouble but he's not usually forced because his ground game is so good, his wrestling is really solid. 15-0, Bryce Mitchell.
0: I mean, I think, I think Barboza's large, largely done. He can now do like, he's a, he's a Robbie Lawler. He could do special fights against strike. He he's a fighter for fun fights. Match him up with other guys who are not, you know, he should fight guys, I mean, I know he already beat Shane Burgos, he should fight the Shane Burgos's of the world for the rest of, you know, for whatever, whatever UFC fights. Uh, he has left. I mean, you know, see him against the Cup Swansons, the Shane Burgos's. Um, don't put him in there with anyone who's who's going to wrestle or a high pressure fighter. Um, the- I,
1: I tend to I tend to agree with you there. Oh, well,
0: thanks. I'm glad I've got your fucking approval. Um, <laughs> you're so grouchy <laughs> for for Bray. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, for Bryce, you, Mitchell- you forced
1: that laugh out just to show me that you're not grumpy. Well done, Nick.
0: Yeah. Well plates. So. I'm, I'm a charitable man. The uh, <clears throat> so for, for I mean for Bryce Mitchell, I think you got it. Um, I think you covered it pretty well.
1: Um, and then outside of that, Kevin Holland uh, had a rough first round against Alex Oliveira. Alex Oliveira always looks good early, and then he landed that I believe it was right hand. Kevin Holland has got a heater of a right hand, uh, and then finished him off shortly after. Sergey Spivak ran through Greg Hardy, yeah, who has zero round just, game and zero heart.
0: Let me just jump in and say, I mm-hmm. you know I'm not expecting huge things from Kevin Holland at welterweight.
1: No, not huge things. He's probably not gonna challenge for a title, but uh, can he hang out in that top ten, top fifteen at this division? Yeah, probably. There's just more wrestlers he's, at Walterweight than there are. Yeah, the he's,
0: never, he's never he's never gonna get by the Neil Magneys.
1: You know what? That's exactly what I want to see next, Nick. I think that would be the more the more interesting matchup because Magny's not like an NCAA wrestler, but he's an effective grappler. He's really good. Yeah, Kevin Holland, very effective. if Kevin Holland can defend his takedowns because Kevin does have good conditioning. Uh, there, there's like a lot of parity in their in their sizes there. That you know what? That's I think the perfect next matchup. I would be very much into that. Um, and then uh, Sergey Spivak, man, just ran through Greg Hardy. I had concerns that Greg Hardy would land a big shot. We've seen Spivak uh, get thrown out of there by a more athletic, more dynamic striker in the first couple of minutes of fights here and there and in this one he just tossed greg hardy who had no shot at defending that that uh that throw um got top position and you know just pounded him out greg hardy again not not uh, any, anywhere close to a ufc quality fighter and the ufc can now save some money uh on on that guy and maybe maybe i don't know pay a, a couple of other decent fighters to fill in uh, on on the roster uh, jalen turner Jamie Malarkey, man that was fucking serious business Turner just really put it on Malarkey in the first round. Malarkey always shows heart. Got to take down it late in the first round. But in that second round, man, that, that counter right hook to ground and pound, man, that's what it took. Jalen Turner is legit. We need to stop underestimating him. I know Malarkey has got so much heart. He he really is a talented guy. He's got so much grit. But, man, it, it takes more than that when you are that in um, that much of a disparity when it comes to dynamism, when it comes to technique, when it comes to size. At the same time, Jalen Turner putting his game together now, getting the confidence. His durability is still kind of concerning. His reaction to good pressure fighters, he's allevi- alleviating some of those concerns. But still, like he's been clocked a few times, he's been dropped a few times. Uh, his durability might be what keeps him from entering that top five range. But he's got all the all the talent, man, all the physicality, all the all the skill. Uh, as long as his mind stays straight.
0: Yeah, that was a that was a really. Uh, fun fight to watch Malarkey's tough tough as nails but Turner really looks like he's put it together and is a lot more disciplined and his fight IQ is up a lot since say his fight with Matt frivola um, he re- he reminds me, I, f- I feel like when I'm watching him I'm wa- I'm, I'm watching a Jamal Hill
1: mini me a little bit. <laughs> Um, Interesting. I, I would say he's more technical. At least he looks appears to be more technical than Hill. And Jalen Turner's got like a pretty decent ground game, believe it or not. Whereas Hill, we you know, there's still some question marks about yeah. that. But I mean, I mean, I, come mean I
0: mean, a lot of it. I mean, the poise. I, do, I mean, I mean, the confidence, the patience.
1: Um, I heard that they both they're both very and, composed and the athle-
0: yeah. and the ath- the athletic gifts and power. Yeah, um, no doubt there. Like they're you know both really really exciting to watch at the moment. Um, and yeah, Jalen Turner, who I, I always, that Frivola loss was like stuck in my craw for like a while, but, um, yeah, man, you know that I'm a big Malarkey fan and he knocked the Malarkey out of Malarkey.
1: Yeah, dude. And Malarkey who went to like a really, really tough, gritty war with Brad Riddell in his UFC debut, right? Like if you look at his couple of wins over Karma Worthy and Devante Smith, he's now two and three in the UFC, which doesn't look awesome. Um, you know, if you look at his wins, like like they haven't aged well, Devontae Smith. They haven't. Hasn't, they haven't aged. Yeah. I was
0: just going to say that the the durability of Devontae Smith and Kama Worthy is has been has been called into question. But but what isn't questionable is that is that Malarkey has the toughness and the fortitude to wet to weather a hyper powerful athletic storm. It's just yeah. that Jalen Turner's storm did not really let up. It was. Cons- yeah. It was, it was, it was like precision. It was, it it was at 75% the whole time. It wasn't at a hundred percent. So turn- it just was per- perfectly, perfectly fought fight by Jalen Turner.
1: Yeah, and then Xiaonan Yan, Marina Rodriguez, Xiaonan looked so good in the first, I would say, round and a half of that fight. Second round was super close. It really could have gone either way, and that's what decided the fight. Third round, clearly Marina Rodriguez, who, if she's in five-round fights for the rest of her career, I might just place bets on her regardless of what happens, because she is really good. She gets stronger over the course of the fight. Yan and Jan, I, I think I like this happens often enough where we have this bias off of uh, one bad performance. Yan was dominated by Sparza. Who was really feeding for that title shot. But, you know, Rodriguez is not going to go for the same kind of takedowns and ground and pound that Esparza was able to pull off against Yan. And, and, and Yan, if you look at her UFC career, her striking is really, really solid, man. Her counter game is good. She's fast. She was having a lot of success against Marina Rodriguez earlier, but Marina Rodriguez getting stronger over the course of the fight really helped her. Uh, you know, if you win the second half of a round, I think judges are going to be a little more likely to give you the edge. And and that's how it often works out in these matchups, right? Where the momentum is what the judges are going to favor over the fact that, yeah, you had success early in this round, but you look kind of, kind of more weathered and, and taking more shots in the second half of the round. That's what... Worked out for Rodriguez, who was able to really put that pressure on effectively. Uh, she just wasn't fast enough early. She wasn't really setting up her shots. She wasn't throwing enough jabs. Uh, Rodriguez was like she's more of a power striker. So there are some like there are some holes in her game that I think we saw in her standup, particularly her strength, because we know that just being a grappler is not enough anymore to beat Marina Rodriguez, uh, as we saw in her last few matchups. Right? She's improving that element of her game. He's, she almost always loses the first round to almost everybody she fights and this fight was no exception and she was able to take over late in a very close matchup that could have gone either way i actually uh, like i really wasn't sure who was going to go to when the judges were called up and uh and it worked out for my pick luckily marina rodriguez 16 and 1 next fight could be a title shot man she is extremely extremely high level
0: yeah we'll see what happens when the rose fights esparza um can uh yeah this next fight was a mess uh nick uh, Nagumara. Now, that, this
1: this I thought was a pretty bad decision, by the way.
0: Yeah, That'd I guess okay. so. We don't. Uh, yeah, I don't really know that we needed. to. It was just a sloppy fight. Uh, yeah, uh, eye pokes, boring a lot. It was just not. It was like watching two Gian Vellantes in there. Um, uh, Marina Marina Moroz just <laughs> hey, took give it. Give these
1: guys some credit. That's mean. <laughs> Ma,
0: Marina just took it to Maria uh, Maria uh, Mariah Agapova. Um, yep. Just took it to her. We got the big one for the Ukraine. Umar Nurgamner. Umar Nurmagomedov uh, squashed a, a legit top 15 gatekeeper in Brian Kelleher. Um, big things, you know, big things on the docket for him. Uh, Tohirulim Bekov uh, st- just started out lacking confidence, couldn't get his rhythm going, was thrown off by the the funky style and and posturing of and precise striking of tim elliott who surprisingly dropped to in the first round surprising to me anyway and to uh taking over halfway through the second and into the third was not effective uh enough um ludovic klein Devante smith split decision i thought it seemed pretty clear that klein win the big shift here me was too. that klein pressured more and he did not big shift for him that he needed to do which was he wasn't he wasn't hunting for kill shots he wasn't waiting for big stuff. Um, yep, patiently pressuring forward. Pa, yeah, exactly, patient pressure and and without giving up uh, much accuracy. And Devante Smith still looks like a guy who you can see him thinking and and worrying yep. in there. He looks like his expressions his his does not have good body language in the fight. It reminds me a bit of of the earlier version of Derek Brunson. Where you're you can actually you 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 see him lose his place and wish that his coaches were there. and um it's, I don't know if it's an issue of focus or if it's an issue of practice because the guy's gifted for sure, but you you could you could see him thinking and worrying in there, which is not a good sign. Um,
1: and yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I actually, just for the record, I gotta take credit for that Lewis of Mc Kleinpeg um as a plus two ten underdog, like, I thought well, he was going to be a lot. He's going to be live in this. Situation. It, it,
0: yeah, well, it didn't stick there. It quickly got to like plus 120. So you just got in uh. before people gave a shit. So, you know, good on you. Whatever. You need to hear that you made a smart pick. Congratulations. Woo!
1: I also did uh, take a rider on Mikhail Oleanecek against Dustin Jacoby, given the odds. I just thought it was a pick And it was very competitive. But Mikhail, like. We've consistently seen that his cardio is not going to be very strong in that third round, and that's what made all the difference in this matchup. If he had just pressed a little bit more in the third round, if he took advantage of some of the good shots that he landed, he absolutely could have won this fight. But Dustin Jacoby has that grit in him, and he'll still keep throwing late in a fight in the same pace that he did in the, in the early portion of the fight. And that that is what won him this one. Any other thoughts on this card, Nick, before we take a break and break down no, UFC it fight was, night? No, it was okay. I mean, Uncle it was Lodge.
0: okay. Like you know, Listen, you know how I felt about... About Colby Masvidal. Aside from that, there were some good things. Like it's always sad to watch a to watch guys like Barbosa and Oliveira, and realize like uh, it's not going to get better. It's not better. It's not. Be- it's not going to get better for those guys at this no. point. But a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of learning experiences for some pros for some very very solid contenders and prospects in the Malarkies and the Yans. Um, Agapov. I don't know if we can put in that same category now. A great a, a great uh hero performance uh from Rose That was very moving. And watching the Jalen Turner's the Bryce Mitchell's uh, you know, move up is good. If there's one one eyesore aside from the Colby Maswell stuff, it's that everyone praises Hanato Moicano's toughness, but like oh stop the fucking fight. Like there was he was not going to he he does not have one shot knockout power. He like RDA doesn't really get submitted, like there wasn't a path to victory. There was only a path to more, more violence against him. So that was that was on the ref. That was on his coaches. Like save Moicano from I, I himself. I do think
1: the ref. I do think the ref did a decent job of like getting the doctor in like he was looking for an excuse and a reason to stop the fight before that 5th round came in and he gave Moicano the heads up but it's weird when He doesn't the need tells one. You, I'm giving you-
0: he doesn't need a reason. His the reason should be that he that he doesn't Yeah, no, I yeah. do hear that. I mean
1: I I do, I do hear that. It is a tricky situation especially when you can't rely on the corner to do their job and protect their fighter but Waikano was glad it wasn't stopped he you know his toughness is being talked about rather than the fact that he's just you know, was not nearly on level with uh, Dos, Dos Santos, and it gave him the opportunity, Dos Santos, excuse me, and it gave McConnell the opportunity to have a good fifth round. Uh, and and show some heart and show some grit, which I think it's to his credit. So, you know, if it took some some years off of Mikano's career, that sucks. And you know, it's hard to tell the level of damage. He looked like pretty decent a couple of days later uh, on social media, but tough to tell the level of damage that he took. But it it didn't look great, and and it looked like he was getting roughed up, and particularly in that third and fourth round. Nick, let's take a break. We're going to come back and hopefully quickly break down UFC Fight Night Santos versus on Uh, a a ufc card a ufc fight night that is better than some of the ufc fight nights we've been getting lately so so i I appreciate the fact that i can like know a lot of these fighters just looking at the card let's do it bud Back on the podcast and we're going to get into the MMA Geeks draft. We each take turns picking fighters in the upcoming card. The idea is that you want to have more winning fighters on your roster at the end of the week. Underdog picks that are successful get you more points. Underdog of plus 150 gets you two points. That wins. An underdog of plus 250 that you've picked that wins gets you three points. One point otherwise for every successful pick. And Nick, I picked up six points in the last event you picked up four. We each picked up an underdog pick because you ended up switching your pick to Moreau's, uh, which was a really smart call on the night of the fight. I am now Five points up, 30 of my points to your 25. Still pretty competitive. Um, I'm going to make my first pick in the main event, Nick, the Thiago Santos-Magomed Ankalaev matchup. Santos looked really good when he came back to 205. He looked more durable, got wins over Anders, Manua Blahovic right? And none of those look awesome except the Blahovic fight in retrospect is pretty impressive, even though was, almost nothing happened up until that left hook uh, countered by Santos, that, that floored Blahovic. And then he had that extremely close fight with John Jones in which he blew out both of his knees and you got to give credit to John Jones for one thing, right? He had his last two fights were against Thiago Santos and Dominic Reyes, hasn't fought in a couple of years now, but both were extremely competitive. A lot of people think he lost both fights, but neither of those guys were able to do anything after. It's almost like he somehow physically destroys you or mentally destroys you despite the fact that you seem like you won the fight against him. Um, and, and maybe that's more of a detriment to John Jones because he wasn't able to dispose of this seemingly lower-level competition. But here we are where Tiago Santos is one and three in his last four fights, including that John Jones loss, right? Got dominated by Glover Teixeira after touching him up early. Got dominated by Alexander Rakic in a pretty boring fight. Johnny Walker could have easily gone either way. And we all know now that Johnny Walker is not a very high-level fighter by any means, not a very durable fighter. Another guy that's one and four in his last five. Um, And so what can he do against Ankalaev, who seems like a serious streaking prospect? He is now uh, in his UFC career. Let me see. He is... He is 7-1 and one in his UFC career, and that one loss was in his UFC debut to Paul Craig, in which he dominated almost every moment of that fight until he tapped out with a single second left to a triangle choke in the third round. And Paul Craig has submitted enough kind of prospects on his way up. Um, I think Ankalaev is faster. I think he probably doesn't, like, he's more durable than Thiago Santos, who we've seen get clocked and knocked out a bunch of times. Mago ankalaev has shown a really good chin. Ankalaev has probably better wrestling, even though he might have trouble getting takedowns early. Until Tiago Santos starts to gas a little bit. He's got a better pace. I think Ankalaev is going to be the better fighter here. Ankalaev couldn't dream of making 185, uh, 185 pounds where Tiago Santos used to compete. Um, I think he's going to be the bigger man. I think Magomed Ankalaev might be the best prospect at 205. Maybe we shouldn't call him a prospect anymore. He's a contender now. But he's going in now, I think, into top five territory as far as like the level of opposition he can beat. He's at least a title challenger. In this division, without John Jones, he's probably a future champion. I've got Magomed Ankalaev. Uh, depending on how aggressive this fight is, I think Ankalaev can get a, a finish, and if not, he can certainly win a, a kind of a tepid decision in which he's staying careful and pot-shotting Thiago Santos from a distance. But I've got Magomed Ankalaev with some confidence here. Always a chance that Santos lands a bomb. He is explosive. He's powerful. But I'm not going to bet on a puncher's chance.
0: It's a tough one with respect to what my first pick should be here. But Do you agree gonna, with the picnic? Oh yeah, I mean, come on. Um, so, Uncle I have for Stan. I'm gonna go with. I'm, I've been high on her, and I think she got kind of hosed against Barber, although she did get out, outworked, out wrestled by Blanchfield. I think that Miranda Maverick is gonna be too much uh, for Sabina Mezo, whose game is still. A little too um, one-dimensional. I think this. I think the scrappiness, the pressure, and the wrestling of Miranda Maverick is um, is going to dictate that fight.
1: Yeah, Mazo came in as like seeming like a real prospect. Lost to Moreau, picked up a few close wins that could have gone against her to be honest. And then lost to Alexis Davis and Maria Agapova. Uh, here's the thing: uh, Miranda Maverick, her offense is fantastic. Her offensive striking is great, fairly dynamic. Her offensive grappling is good. Her offensive wrestling is good. Her defense is pretty mediocre. She's hittable. She can be taken down, as we saw in her last matchup against you know, an even less experienced prospect than Aaron Blanchfield on a two-fight losing streak. But I think she's got everything it takes to beat Sabina Mazo. She just needs to avoid the head kick. I, I-, I couldn't agree with you more on the pick. And-, and this was in my top three or four, three or so picks. My next pick is going to be in the matchup between Matthew Semmelsberger and AJ Fletcher. AJ Fletcher seems talented. Um, I can see how he's looked at as a prospect. I believe he's nine or 10 and zero at this point in point, nine and zero, uh, coming off of a contender series win in which, you know, he looked kind of rough on the feet where he was getting touched up a little bit, was able to get a takedown, couldn't control the guy got up. He faked the takedown, went for a flying knee and got the win that way. He's dynamic. He's talented, but Matt Samuelsberger, man, he's got real UFC experience against really solid competition. Um, he is 9-3 in his career, so A.J. Fletcher's record on paper looks better, but the level of competition, it, there's a big shift in. Uh, I think Semmelsberger's takedown defense should be good enough. We know he has the conditioning based on what we saw in that Chaos Williams fight. He's able to go three fairly hard rounds if he needs to. He's durable, we know that. I don't think he's going to get surprised with the flying knee or something. I think he avoids most takedowns, touches up A.J. Fletcher. He should be able to, I think, finish this fight against, uh, unless LJ, A.J. Fletcher is just incredibly durable.
0: So Semelsberger for Stan, and I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you on that pick also. Um, I'm gonna go with the co-main event here. I'm a little iffy on this one, but I just I gotta I gotta go with my brain, which is that I think Yerong Song is super super durable, and that if he can survive a first round against Marlon Meraes, that Meraes just does not really have it in him to win two and three. Also, Yerong Song's got a missile. Uh, you know, of a, I guess it's his right hand, right?
1: Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yep.
0: The missile, missile of a right hand, and um, Morais has been hurt a lot in his in his recent fight. So no matter how good he looked in the first four minutes of that potential round of the year against uh, Davashvili, or the first three minutes, I, I just I think Mar- I think Morais is done. Um, yeah. so I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Song, uh, probably to win a twenty nine twenty eight. Um, but it's possible that he gets him out of there with a TKO in the second round.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's probably likely. The thing about Marais is he is so incredibly dangerous early that he can absolutely finish just about anyone, and Davosvili special in his grit in his conditioning and his mindset. And like most guys would have been finished. A lot of referees would have waved off that fight in that first round, so... Argument like he could have been coming but, off of a first round you know knockout win over Devashvili, and he didn't right he he got overtaken because if you're going to try to finish a guy if you're as explosive as Marlon Barice and, and and you really put everything into the finish and it doesn't work out how how tired are you going to be in the second half of the fight and that's what we saw Devashvili. yeah but
0: also but also Devashvili's striking defense is 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 the Frankenstein
1: method that's true no he's kidding.
0: just he's got a he's got a thick neck and a hard head and he just he just like takes it all. Yerong Song is a, is I, I think a more elusive, more t- like he'll go and he'll fire in the pocket, but I think he's, I think he's got better. I think he actually has striking defense instead of, instead of Franken it. Yeah. I mean,
1: he, he's a young prospect. He's really starting to put it together. Like his last few opponents are Marlon Vera, Cody Staman, Kyler Phillips, Casey Kenner, Casey Kenny, Julio Ars. These are not top five level Those opponents, are. but these are really talented Really solid top 15 level uh, opposition at, at 135, so I agree with you. I think if there's any time for Yudong Song, it's now. I don't love that he trains the team alpha male. I think like a, leg- a more legitimate team like AKA or American Top Team would do him wonders, but Yudong Song has, I mean, has been improving. That last win, man, he got a knockout over Julio Arce, who's known for being durable, who's known for being tough, for being technical. Um, that is super impressive to me. So I, I tend to agree with you. I think Yudong Song should take this fight, but man, there's real, real danger in that first round. Marlon Moraes is incredibly dangerous, but Yudong Song has shown the grit, he's shown the durability, uh, and he's shown that he has the conditioning to go three rounds if he needs to. So I, I agree with you on the pick. My next pick is going to be in the Sadiq Youssef versus Alex Caceres matchup. If you told me a couple of years ago that Alex Caceres would, would be on a five-fight winning streak in the UFC and Sadiq Youssef would be coming off a loss. Like zero fight winning streak right going into a matchup with Caceres. I would have told you you're crazy, but we are in that situation. The thing is that Yusuf has been fighting higher level of competition. He lost to Arnold Allen in a fight in which he basically won most of the fight, but he was clocked a couple times and he was dropped in that first and second round. And that's what gave Arnold Allen the edge in those first two rounds. And then he kind of really controlled the third round and was the better fighter there. So he's shown the conditioning, he's shown the power. Durability is a little bit concerning because he's the kind of guy like Cain Velasquez, like like uh, Vanderly Silva, who, you know, he gets clocked and he recovers. As well but eventually when he does get knocked out clean it's going to ruin his chin and that's that's the kind of ring i'm getting from him uh, i don't think this is the matchup for that to happen alex Casares on a five-fight winning streak but if you look at the opposition these are like ufc debut level fighters steven peterson is a journeyman at best at, at you know the the regional level chase hooper is not ready for ufc austin springer is not a great fighter kevin krum is not a good fighter at all he's also a journeyman on the local level sung would choi is an impressive win but sung would choi basically thrashed him in the first round, and then was exhausted in the second, and and Caceres used his craft and experience to take over. Um, I think Sadiq Yusuf has what it takes to stay patient, stay careful. The ground game, I think at the very least, you should be able to survive a back take if Caceres gets in that position. I think Caceres' head kicks are a concern. Caceres' counter sh- straight punches might be a concern because Sadiq Yusuf doesn't have the best chin. I could see a, maybe a club and sub opening for Caceres, but I, I do have Sadiq Youssef in this matchup.
0: Uh, I do as well. The, oh boy.
1: This is where it gets tough. Every fight from here on out is really tough to pick, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, they sure, they sure, sure are. I, um...
1: Great radio, you making that sound effect as you stall for time. Sorry, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just... All right, you can edit that out. I am not you editing; know, it is so. staying in neck.
0: Fine, uh, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna stall for one more minute while I recheck the odds. I recheck the odds here, well, a full the odds here and
1: see <laughs> see what's in my favor. Um, you know, some of us come prepared to these things, but I understand if you have to do your research live as we record the podcast.
0: It's it's <laughs> a, just on this one particular on this one particular. I'm fight. messing with you, bud. Um, I'm going to – oh, God, it's too, it's too hard. I've got to back away from this fight. I'm going to take a fire. I'm going to go with an underdog pick to try to get some extra points. I think that Bruno Silva may surprise us against Alex Paglia. Like, listen, I want Paglia to do great and get, end up fighting Adesanya. I think that would be really fun but Bruno Silva's no joke for Pehea's like second fight and he didn't look so good in his first fight until he did against lesser competition in my estimation. Um, so I'm going to pick uh, I'm going to pick the durable and exciting uh Bruno Silva to make Pehea uncomfortable, maybe get him on the ground a bit. We'll see. But I I wouldn't be I think this is going to be a very very good fight, a competitive fight and I'm going to go with Silva to try to get some bonus points. Nick,
1: I'm there with you. I think as much as Alex Pereira will do whatever he wants on the feet, Bruno Silva also has insane power in his hands. Pereira, man, that left hook is absolutely just ferocious. And in four-ounce gloves, he can probably knock anybody out in the world, in the MMA world. The problem is he was taken down by a much lower level opponent than is Bruno Silva, a much less successful UFC fighter. And granted, he did defend a lot of those takedowns. He was able, he was, You know, controlled and held up against the fence uh, against Andreas Michalidis, who again, like outside of that win, is 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 now one and two in the UFC, right? One and one going into that bout. Um, I think Bruno Silva is tricky, right? Bruno Silva has the ground and pound to absolutely finish this fight. He's insane, insanely powerful, probably the best ground and pounder at 185 pounds. The problem is he has zero UFC takedowns. He doesn't really go for them. I can only imagine that in this matchup, he's going to realize he absolutely needs a takedown. He will be outcrafted on the feet. He is not on the same level. Alex Ferreira is also a much bigger man. Um, I, I agree with you. I think the plus 155 is good value. It just concerns me that Bruno Silva's never gone for a UFC takedown or certainly never scored one. Uh, but I'm there with you. This would have been probably my next pick and I would have made the same pick. So good on you, buddy. My next pick is going to be... This is incredibly tough now. I guess I'm going to go ahead and I'm gonna come on. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna make this pick, but I'm uh, I'm gonna reserve the right to change it later. I'm gonna take Terence McKinney at plus one fifty against Drew Dober. God damn it! Uh, maybe that, maybe that, that was your next one uh, too. Here's the thing: I I, I mother- do see serious value, serious uh, concern here because uh, Terence McKinney still keeps getting rid of these like young prospects in the first you know few seconds of the first couple of minutes of a fight, right? Drew Dober doesn't go away in the first few seconds of the first couple of minutes, and Terrence McKinney, as far as we can tell, does he have cardio to go two, three hard rounds? I'm not so sure. I'm not sure just based on what we've seen over the last couple of years where he's getting rid of guys in no time at all. He's not really getting that minute-by-minute uh, minute ring experience, and I have picked against Terrence McKinney um, a couple of times in the UFC, and I've been wrong. Drew Dober, though, it took Islam Makachev three rounds to finish him. Drew Dober ended up, in the end of the first round, working his way out of an armbar against Makachev fairly recently. Got top position um, at the end of that round, right? And yes, he was taken down almost at well. He doesn't have the best takedown defense. He does have a good get-up game. He does have good uh, conditioning. He hits incredibly hard now. He went from like a pitter-patter puncher to having some fucking pop. Um, So I see the danger in Terrence McKinney probably not finishing early and then getting, getting stretched into the long haul and then Drew Dober really taking over and beating him up late. But at plus 150, I'll take Terrence McKinney. The the UFC announcer team talked about how he was apparently an Olympic alternate. So on paper, a high-level wrestler. uh, Hits really hard, although that probably won't help him against Drew Dober. He's not the more technical striker. Uh, Really, top position is going to be the place for McKinney in this one. He took it on relatively short notice, but he's coming off of a recent win. I'm going to take Terrence McKinney here. There's a small chance I might switch it back to Drew Dober. But as those odds get closer... If those odds are almost to pick him by fight night, Drew Dober's worth investing in, man. He's durable. He's conditioned. He hits incredibly hard, and he's able to get up against most opponents. There's a big difference in Drew Dober's uh, grappling defense and Faraz grappling defense, for instance. Uh, so I've got Terrence McKinney because I wanted to reserve this one for myself, but not uber confident. And I just like the plus 150 value.
0: Yeah, I I I mean basically everything that you said is what is what is what I believe and why I was excited to make this for my, make this my next pick cuz I can there's a real chance for me to get in both cases uh some catch up points. Yes, sir. Uh uh next I'm going to go with I think I'm going to go with uh J, with JJ Aldridge... Um and her offense and punching game against, uh, Jillian Robertson, who always just seems a little, um, who kind of like, I feel like lacks, lacks some aggression at, at 125. And if the fight doesn't go to her, her wheelhouse, um, can kind of, can kind of get overwhelmed. And she doesn't have, you know, she choked out, uh, Priscilla, uh, Cachoeira, um, but she hasn't, you know, looked real good in her last uh, in her last several UFC fights. Um, so I'm gonna go. She's been doing a lot of grapp- a lot of grappling competitions lately with make with some mixed success uh, in those. But Aldridge is tough. Uh, she she had that win over Courtney Casey that was good. Uh, she beat Vanessa Demopoulos and uh, she's a t- she's a tough little puncher. Um, I think that that she's gonna be able to muscle. Robertson around a bit.
1: Um, I disagree on the pick, although I do think J.J. Aldridge has a decent edge in the stand-up. I think Jillian Robertson's wrestling is going to be an issue for Aldridge, who has overall good takedown defense, but I feel like Aldridge always has a good first round, tapers off a little bit in the second, not quite the same in the third, even though she's got a lot of UFC experience. I'm edging Robertson, and I know I, I sometimes pick her in matchups that I should not. Maybe this is one of them. Uh, both you know, look like prospects early on in their UFC careers. Both had mixed success since then, depending on the level of competition they face. I'm going to, I'm going to edge to Jillian Robertson, who I think can keep Eldridge down after that first round. Robertson's fairly tough. I don't think he's getting finished by the Southpaw, uh, Eldridge in the, in the first round. So I've got Robertson by a close one, but again, this is a fight that could go either way. So I don't blame me for making that pick. My next pick is going to be in the matchup between, uh, that's tough, man. Um, I guess I'm gonna take Tafan Enchukwi over Zamat Murzakhanov. Uh Enchukwi is a really good kickboxer, super slow a lot of power very physically strong not the greatest grappling against a good grappling based opponent but Azamat uh, like i feel like he's fairly hittable as he kind of uh, as he kind of blitzes forward he throws one shot at a time not usually the cleanest technique he's probably faster than Anchukwe but he doesn't usually he doesn't really have the the ring experience right a lot of his fights end early against guys who are not super durable so i, I got to trust in the ufc experience of Tefan Anchukwe presumably he should be okay on the ground you know training under the terrible human being lloyd urban um I'm going to get Edge and Chukwe here, but this is, again, all the rest of these fights could go either way, I think.
0: Yeah, I was the same with you with that one. The next one I'm going to pick is, ugh, this is not a fun fight to pick, but I'm going to do it anyway. I think I think that his, his uh, speed uh, on the feet, and he should be elusive enough, Mr. Carl Robertson... To win a decision against Cleo Roundtree, Call Robertson's Achilles' heels. It's sometimes the Achilles' lock. It's um, he gets submitted. He gets submitted all the fucking time. Cleo Roundtree doesn't really submit guys. Could he potentially muscle Robertson into a situation and catch a kimura? Like maybe I guess if it's just 2007. But I feel like I feel like Robertson should be able to stay awake um avoid avoid the big shots and score more in what i expect to be like a pretty boring fight
1: yeah i i tend to agree with you on the pick this one could absolutely go either way i don't know about being boring although i guess if robertson is controlling the ground game it it might not be super fun to watch robertson does actually have a ground game though is the difference but Khalil Roundtree's a legit 205 pounder. The guy's not making 185 as far as I can tell. He hits incredibly hard. He's explosive. I believe he still trades in Thailand. Uh, he kind of alternates between Thailand and Vegas. Um, I, 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 I'm going to agree with you, but this is like, you know, a couple of kind of UFC journeymen who are exciting but don't have a, you know, top 15 potential. I'm going to agree well, with you. Well, when I say boring,
0: hmm. when I say boring, I think Robertson is going to, his striking is going to more resemble point fighting in this, and he's, he's going to. Get, he's going to get in, get out, and not. He's not going to pocket with Khalil around.
1: I hear that. Um, I, I think I'm going to take. Really all tough from here. I think I'm thinking I'm going to edge maybe Kamala Kirk over Damon Jackson. Jackson's uh, concern is his grappling. Not a great wrestler, though, and Kamala Kirk has decent wrestling defense. Kamala Kirk does a decent job of getting back up to his feet. He's going to have a good amount of athleticism edge in this matchup, and he should be the better striker. I could absolutely see Damon Jackson getting consistent takedowns and, and controlling this fight to a decision, but I'm going to edge uh, toward the more athletic dynamic fighter, even though Damon Jackson, like 18 or 19 and 3, has a really good record on paper um so maybe this is a mistake there's a consistency for damon jackson against this level of opposition that i might be uh that i might not be giving enough credit to
0: um you may you may be right i don't i can't really speak from that i mean i know i know damon jackson annoys me but whatever Uh, who Um, who do you who do you edge the fight to I, i i edge i guess i edge the fight to jackson cool um I'm going to go with, listen, I think that the UFC doesn't give gift fights, but I think what they did was they've given Chris Montino, um, a fight that he could potentially win in the UFC, uh, as a reward for the fans that he won and the durability he showed in going three rounds, staying in Sean O'Malley's face and punching O'Malley in the face quite a bit, even though he ate approximately 3000 shots himself. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to pick that regional fighter against, uh, the Italian, the Italian-Argentinian regional fighter, um, who's somehow wait 42 years old, um, which I didn't know until right now. So I'm gonna take uh, the much much younger. Uh, 29-year-old Chris Mutino in a in a ba- in a battle of the journeymen. I just feel like the UFC wants to do one of those journeymen a solid.
1: Yeah, I, Guido Canetti is explosive and athletic early, but his gas tank isn't great. If he's not finishing Chris early, it's not gonna you know it's not likely gonna go his way. And if Chris can survive uh, the onslaught that he took against well. Sean O'Malley he should be able to you should, get through the first round here yeah. and take over. I tend to agree with you also, like Chris's propensity to pressure forward, his toughness, as long as it's still intact, uh, should should do him some wonders here. But it's also tricky because, you know, like being somewhat survive, somewhat of a survivor and a loss is not a great reason to pick anyone, especially considering like he's had mixed results at the regional level and Guido tends to lose to USC level fighters. So it's tricky. But again, there's a reason it's, you know, your, one of your last uh, picks and, and would have been one of my last – in the next one, I'm going to take. Uh, I guess I'll take Dolce, Luke Bumuala, Luke, Bu, Luke Lungjambula Lung, over Cody Lungjambula. Brundage. Yeah. Thank you. Um, she- I, I'm going to give him the edge. He's way more athletic. He hits incredibly hard. Cody Brundish might just wrestle hump him to a decision here. And I could certainly see the danger for that. But Cody Brundage, in my opinion, is not really a UFC-level fighter. And for Dolce, at the very least, his like athleticism and, and just how scary he looks, he's just a monster of a human uh, physically, it makes him just barely UFC-level. So I guess I'll give Dolce the edge. He has more UFC experience, et
0: There only There's only one fight left, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Trevin D- Jones against Javid Bajra. Uh-huh. Who you got? And... Uh, we're going to call this, uh, as one final stall while reviewing the odds. Jeez, Nikolai.
1: What are you watching tape over there?
0: <laughs> I'm watching, I'm, I'm watching, I'm watching a little bit of tape over here. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to trust, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the experts, <laughs> which I'm supposed to be one of, uh, and go with, J- uh, Javid Basharat on this one with it for, no other reason is that he's a minus 150 favorite.
1: Uh, yeah, the the reason I'm going with Javid as well is just because Trevin Jones tends to lose like every minute of a fight unless, until he lands his right hand. Javid does a good... Job of kind of keeping at uh keeping at kicking range consistent footwork uh keeping his distance where he wants it to be consistent offensive kicks even though his boxing isn't all that awesome. I could see him getting tagged up by Jones if he waits forward with uh, with boxing offense i'm I'm going to favor the guy with the uh, with the long distance range game who has an overall higher output. Tends to keep his head on straight, game plan wise too. So uh, I agree with you there. Again, s- s- slight margin, but it's just tough to pick against Tremont Jones, who's got a couple of pretty impressive underdog wins in the UFC already. Nick, that'll do it for this event. Uh, five points up at this at this moment. I could see you catching up on this one. I hope you bring it a little closer, Nikolai. Don't fail me. Just just make this work.
0: I. It's been, it's, I've lost a couple of tooth and nailers and now it's added up. It's, it's gotten up to five points. So yeah, after a good, after a good first six weeks, it's, uh, I'm lose I'm losing a, just by a little bit, but it's compounding. So we'll see. I feel like I made good picks, um, at least in comparison to you, it seemed, it didn't seem like I usually you're like, Whoa, what do you do that for? But I didn't think I did any of those this time. Not um, today. No. <laughs> so. Uh, so we'll see. And then we got an interesting card that may change coming up next out of London because they're not sure if they're going to keep the Russian Volkov on the card that's or right, not. That's right. Um, and then we've got Arnold Allen against Dan Hooker. I, yeah, that's, I mean, that's okay. We'll see. I feel like Arnold Allen's ascent has been so slow. I've become sort of disinterested. We've got another uh, Patty Pimblett fight against Rodrigo Vargas. Yeah, that should be
1: interesting. That should be cry, fun to watch.
0: Krylov Paul Craig is interesting to me. Yep uh mike grundy against mr finland is is what it is gunnar nelson versus takashi
1: sato i think is a pretty decent fight
0: okay this here's a fight that doesn't make any sense it's a prelim fight Ilya tapuria against jay herbert
1: poor jay herbert man what has he done to upset the ufc brass to be pitted against Ilya Tepori. That's fucking scary. Jack Shore, Timur Valuovnik, that's a fantastic fight. I can't believe that's potentially one of the first three fights. Nathaniel Wood versus Vince Morales is a is a solid fight. Yeah, there's definitely, there's there's some stuff worth watching on this one. Um, Mala Mechanis is coming back against Luana Carolina. That could, in my opinion, go either way. I mean, way.
0: Volkov, Vol, I mean, if it happens, Volkov-Aspinel is really interesting.
1: I, I agree, and that's I a really huge, hope it does it's happen. It's a huge
0: though. step up. It's a huge step up for Aspinall, who said he wanted to, you know, said he really wanted to go slowly. This is a guy who's been pressing people. Got you know, w- first and second round wins, but, but Jake Collier, Alan Boudot, are choked out. Arlovsky. Well, that's the thing. And Arlovsky and Spivak, Spivak, right? Like
1: following those two wins, this is, Volkov is kind of the perfect next matchup, if you ask me.
0: I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a huge jump up in the rankings. I know that I know that heavyweight is. Uh, I mean, he's elite. You beat you beat Alexander Volkov, you're pretty much ready for a title shot.
1: Yeah, you're definitely in that top five conversation because Volkov is probably like probably the gatekeeper to top five, losing to guys like Curtis Blades, Derek Lewis, Cyril Gaon, beating you know guys like over you know really old Overeem. But, like, if you look at Martin Terburro is a pretty good win, but Walt Harris is whatever, Greg Hardy is whatever, Fabrizio Verduin was a pretty solid win back in the day. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting test for Aspinall. I don't think it's likely to work out. I think Volkov is not super likely to come into the U.S. given everything that's happening, given that the UFC still hasn't it's it's
0: been not, well, it's not It's not in the U.S., it's in the U.K. I'm, I'm sorry,
1: uh, you're uh, right. Coming uh, from Russia is really the big issue now, right? Like, not not a whole lot of countries are are trying to do uh, any Russian people solids, even though I, I do think, like... You know, if we can minimize the impact on the Russian population, um, while still keeping the pressure on Putin, we're fine. I don't think like any aspect of the war is gonna be decided by whether or not Volkov can appear for this matchup and and I'm sure like the UK wouldn't love it if Volkov came in and actually beat uh their their British prospect. Um but but yeah, it's I mean
0: yeah, I suppose. I mean also right now, I'm not for me anyway, and our this is the last thing I'll say on the podcast, like I feel zero animosity towards Russian citizens and Russian people right now. So it's uh, it's just a you know, this isn't a political. This is thank God this isn't a politics podcast. So. Although, although on that, yeah,
1: yeah, for for a while there, it, it was a political thing where like some people were actually rooting for Russia very early on before they actually started attacking civilians. So I'm I'm glad most people in the world are now on the same page and that Putin's a fucking supervillain. Um, well,
0: what'll be interesting is if the Dagestani, you know, if my if my all my the Dagestani fighters I love start speaking out. They them,
1: they ab- you know. Khabib will absolutely not speak out. Khabib would be a. F- there are other things that Khabib can speak out about that he has not. He certainly won't speak out a- a- against this. I don't blame him. Like he's met Putin. He could legitimately get killed or, or what? Ha- like you never know. Like you cannot fuck with that man if he's got any reach to you. And in Dagestan, Putin's got reach. Don't fuck with Putin. Like if you're if you live in in any province yeah. that is controlled by him directly or indirectly, don't fucking do that. I, I don't blame Khabib for not speaking out against this. I, I would blame Khabib for not speaking for not speaking about out about other things. To be honest with you, where where he has a little more a little more flexibility and and he's not like you know
0: what I just you know what I just realized. Yeah. In theory, I'm gonna. I mean, I'm gonna be in the UK next week. I'll be in the UK on Saturday. I think I'm flying back Sunday. It's possible. Like, I may look. I may look into attending this. We'll see.
1: How awesome would that be?